Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. thought when I was younger that there would be players who were like almost playing in the air like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it would make sense. If the trajectory continues along the same path, there'll be people playing like sort of ninjas. They can turn in... There'll be players who are able to turn themselves invisible yep, during a absolutely. game. There'll be players who can manipulate the ball without touching it. Yeah. Um, and, and it'll be... all be controlled from the sidelines with con- handheld controllers like an Xbox game. Yeah. If that doesn't happen by the time it comes for my time to die, yeah, I will consider this to have been a life wasted, basically. Yeah, because that's what I'm aiming towards. That's what I want to see. I thought it might have happened by the year 2000, but you know we expected a lot. We expected hover bikes. Mm. We expected powdered food like spacemen used to eat. Yeah. Uh, a lot of meal, the shit. Meal pills. People say that. They go, where's my flying car? Where's my yeah. meal pill? Uh, but what they, they choose to then ignore all the other shit, like iPods cash and... Cash points. Cash points and Dyson um, and... Just Eat. Just Yeah, fucking Just you Eat. You have got a meal pill, but you've got Just Eat. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's as good as... Yeah, so people, all I'm saying is, everyone stop complaining about the paucity of the future because it's actually quite good. Yeah, you're in the future now. Deal and with it. And it's, and Enjoy it's, it. Yeah, and it might not have been what you expect, everything you expected, but there's been a few nice surprises along the way. They got rid of white dog shit, didn't they? Yep, exactly right. Um, 2000, 2001. Before a ball was even kicked, Martin O'Neill had left Leicester City where he'd overseen years of triumph, mm. unlikely triumph, and a cup win and all of that. He left to go to Celtic, which was his dream job, I think, or something. I can't really remember. And Peter Taylor took over at Leicester. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember that? Because Peter Taylor was feared well, as the, the yeah, golden he, child. His of, stock was high because he'd, he'd... done Gillingham. And he'd just done one game <laughs> in charge of England, even. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, yeah, Gillingham. And, but he was regarded as, like, the next big thing in coaching. he was doing some kind of Jedi mind trick on the authorities. I, How was they, Well, no, there's been a few managers like that who've come and go over the years who are, like, you know, like, 
a series of coaches who worked with Mourinho or Ancelotti at Chelsea have then yeah. gone on to be regarded as all oh, the next thing like Paul Clement because yeah. he went uh, to Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. And we're now finding out that Paul Clement is in fact shit. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's people who everyone is the trendy thing to talk about. Oh, yeah, this guy he really is like... And, and who was that one that was at Spurs? V- Vyash Boas. Oh, God, he yeah. He managed to, to milk it he a used few to, times. He used to crouch down on the touchline, didn't he? So yeah. we thought, oh, he knows. He's yeah. got something special. And he wore a sort Different of... Different tren- He wore a trench coat. Yeah. Um, well, Sunderland's new manager does that. Detective Inspector Jack Ross. He wears a trench coat. So we've yeah, got high he's Scottish, so it's different. Tag it. Yeah, it's more like it's a hard yeah. nose. He's the, the his nickname should be the detective. Yeah, we'll see. But AD Boothroyd was another one. AD Boothroyd was, was another one. Regarded. Peter Taylor. Here's the thing about Peter Taylor. He looks like a man who has murdered another man, sliced off that man's face, and then put it on his own Whoa. face. I've never looked at it like that before, but now that you see that, out. he looks shit. like he's wearing a face of another man. But he's outdoors. He's at large. Yeah, he's at large. He's doing it. So Peter Taylor, he's hiding might... in plain sight. So here's my theory now: that Peter Taylor, when he was at Gillingham, a man in charge of England Twenty Ones, was a fantastic coach who did have the ability to lead the England senior team to World Cup glory and perhaps a club side like Leicester to the league title. But someone, I don't know who, it might have been an inferior coach like Glenn Roder. I, d- I don't know who it was. Um, killed Peter Taylor, sliced off his face, yeah. wore it, and landed the Leicester job and made a fucking hash of it. Yeah, yeah, it was an inferior. Has to be an inferior coach because it went wrong, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so Peter Taylor was do. He did all the good work at Gillingham, mm. and then it was let's the- say, for example, Glenn Roder. Came along, killed him, sliced his face off, yeah. and put it right. That that stacks up. I'm not sure it was Rhoda because Rhoda had a face. the The dimensions of Rhoda's face were so peculiar, Quite a thin face, and unusual. It? it wouldn't have held Taylor's fa- face. Rhoda's uh, face was quite thin, wasn't it? A, a lot long, of people, like, are, a bit like Paul Wicker, the tall and it's also, of his. Yeah, it's also twisted in a peculiar way. That's centre halfway. People used to call him Pigeon Face. <laughs> At West Ham, like where he was not really popular. I mean, he's a difficult man to hate because he seems so pleasant, but he was a very poor manager for us and we got relegated under his uh, stewardship and people called him Pigeon Face. I don't think Pigeon Face could have held on to Graham Taylor's, uh, onto Peter Taylor's, Graham Taylor's face. Could it have been Graham Taylor? No. no. They have to have similar physical someone dimensions. And someone that kind of disappeared from the scene in the late 90s. Listeners, if you're following us on TF Time Machine on Twitter... This is a mystery. Please suggest to us who you think it might be, the the, the lesser coach who mysteriously disappeared from the, the football scene late 1990s. Do you know what I'm thinking? And then appeared wearing Peter Taylor's face in the Leicester job. Do you know what I'm thinking? What this, thinking? Is this, this is where Top Light Time Machine takes on a little bit of like serial, that podcast that's Ooh, a mystery. Yeah. And Definitely throughout the that. subsequent episodes, we will continue to investigate and piece together the mysterious case of Peter Taylor's fleshy face theft. Week by week. Mm. Very good. Who did I'm it? For that. When was it done? Why was it done? Where is Peter Taylor's corpse now? And we can go on location and interview people and stuff yeah. like that. Get yeah. out of this studio. Yeah. Fucking great. This, this is it! Other managerial changes before the season start. Paul Jewell left Bradford. For Sheffield Wednesday, uh, seemingly in the huff, 
because his chairman at Bradford, Geoffrey Richmond, said that finishing 17th in the Premier League was a disappointment. Mm. Paul Jewell, who, of course, was involved in some kind of um, sex scandal at the time. Oh, I don't know Because about did he not pause lying on a bonnet of a car or something? Or What, naked? It, something like that. Or he was with a woman right. who was lying on the bonnet of a car. Hang on, but Paul Jewell, how long did he last afterwards? He didn't do tearless fierce, did no, it can't have been. No, him. anyway, the, no, the, you have to same. remember their bodies have to be different shapes and size. Right. Paul Jewell was a big round man, yeah. really, wasn't he? Yeah. Paul Jewell was another coach though who was rated very highly at the time, mm-hmm. and then it went wrong. And it the, just takes one good season, and and you can coast on that for ten years. These are three managers of whatever happened, Andy, to ugly managers. Okay, there was this was a time. It was at the tail end of the era where managers were mm-hmm. ruddy-faced. Yeah. Um, they were usually players who, the moment they retired, immediately let go. Like, yeah. stopped all fucking concessions A lot of to respect for fitness. managers like that. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm, you're no longer paying me. I will never go jogging again. Right? But, yeah, you're right. It's not a thing anymore, is it? It's not a thing, because now they're a swarthy foreigners. Did you, did, you, did you cast your mind back to all of the outrage when David Unsworth was caretaker manager at Everton last season? Yeah, and Joey and Barton. And the likes of Joey Barton castigating yeah. him for his appearance. Exactly, and that's what people... And, and I'm not joking. Like These managers who become fashionable, like Villas Boas, they are partly well-regarded. On the, There's been research into it that people have more respect in the world of business and politics for nowadays for people who look sort of slim um, but on no base whatsoever it's a weird instinctive thing because it looks as if they may have more personal control yeah and like so, psychopaths yeah so it, well, yeah exactly and then you look at like VS Boas and some of these other managers we're talking about it's almost like they look the part more than they are the part and when I was looking at this Bradford situation they had Paul Jewell right yeah. Who had a great combination of he was he was very rotund, but he also was he was thinning, but he was refusing to give in to it. He was yeah. still wearing the hair far too long for a man. You could on match of the day you could see right through the hair onto the scalp. And so he, he didn't look great, but he seemed like a decent bloke and a decent manager. They replaced him with his assistant manager. Chris Hutchings. Chris Hutchings looks like a man from like, I mean, he looks like a cab driver from Chris Hutchins 1970s. looks a bit like a used car salesman, but not a very good one. Now, he took ruddy faced to a next level. We haven't seen a face that ruddy since the latter years of Brian Clough. And then they also, I believe, in the same season, ditched him and bought in Big Jim Jeffries from Heart of Midlothian. <laughs> yeah. Now, this was what a, a triumvirate. It was a hat trick of fat, ugly managers, right? Yep. And Bradford, who are a great... There's something kind of old-fashioned about Bradford City as a club anyway. Don't yep. ask me why. It just feels that there is. And they were... It was the final throws and they were trying to keep the, the dream alive. I don't remember ever seeing a Bradford match on TV when it wasn't dark. <laughs> if you think Bradford, you just yeah, think it's a dark darkness. Place. Floodlights on, don't you? I've been I've been up there to watch West Ham. Um, and w- it's, would you go again? Yeah, I probably would. Actually, it's quite a good laugh because it's yeah, it's like Bradford feels like old football. This, this is, is it. it. Notable signings: Leeds brought in Mark Viduca and Dominic Matteo. Yeah, and Olivia Dacor. Yeah, because they, were, they wanted to augment uh, David O'Leary's. 
They were O'Leary's babies. My babies. My little my babies. My little babies need some we, bigger boys to play with. We don't expect anything. We just want well, a few bigger lads. Well, we just want lads. to go out there and have a kick about. And if we come go away on. with some points, that's lovely. That's lovely for out, my babies. I let them out to run around and they like to lie on the back and kick their legs around so they do. And if they get a result, they can have some sweeties. That's nice for them. That's and then we we'll have, have some... a wee nap in the afternoon. And then when they wake up, I give them their bottles of milk. And they love their bottles of milk, so they do. And then they go running around again. And then at the end, we have a story. A, story. a wee story. And I sit down and I tell them the story of the fish that could wish. And Harry Kuehl, he loves it. He, he loves, loves it. to he pretend. Loves to cl- clap his little hands at the end with the story yeah. of the fish there. We have such a lovely time, we do. And then we all... Inject them with the serum and we all stay young forever. We inject them with the monkey clan, so we do. And that's why we'll win the Champions League. Forever and ever. Where did Mark Viduca come from? I mean, I know he's Australian, but no one had heard of Mark Viduca before he signed for Leeds. Oh, he was one of those who was pulling up trees at Celtic. 45 goals in a season. And you never know. Nowadays, nah, you wouldn't take a chance. chance. But back then, there was a couple who came. I mean, Van Hoydonk, who we were talking about not long ago, he he was from that background, wasn't he? He did. So that was it. Uh, Liverpool, they made a couple of significant signings. They bought Nick. I'm not sure if he was still Nicky at this point because he was getting on a bit. Nicky Barmby came across from Everton. What's the point at which you have to take the Y off of your name? I mean, of course, if you did that, your name would be And, which would well, be I, absurd. Well, I would, I would do what Andy Cole did, and I would become Andrew, Andrew Cole. Is there an age where it becomes unacceptable to go by your sort of more casual, babyish-sounding name? Well, Nicky Barmby had the babyish face kind of forever, didn't he? So, but I think he just became Nick Barmby sort of post-30. But Andy Cole, I heard a story that uh, the reason he changed his name to Andrew Cole was not because he wanted to be regarded as more mature. It was because he wanted his own official website and somebody had already got andycole.com. <laughs> <laughs> but andrewcole.com was still available. Oh, so he snapped mate. up the website and then instigated Fucking the name hell. change overnight. There so must little... have been another solution to that. Well, I just fucking buy it off whoever's yeah, got Yeah, buy it for one. fuck's sake. Yeah. What a cheapskate. Some people used to call me Sammy. When I was little. Oh, that's awful. It's Yeah, I mean, but yeah, when you were a kid. I suppose, My dad yeah. used to call me Sammy. A few people used to call me Sammy. Um, one of my brothers used to call me Sandboy. And he still does sometimes. Quite patronising the yeah. way, isn't it? It's All a power right. thing, that I think. That's power. He's playing yeah. power games with me. Let him. Um, um, but no, if, if an adult called Sammy, you straight away think prick. Yeah. And uh, what's that other one? Torfer. What? Torfer. What's that? It's It's... Short for Christopher. Nah. Yeah. Torfer. And Xander. Instead of Alexander. Yeah. Fuck off. Exactly. Fuck that. Um, Gary McAllister signed for Liverpool as well at age 36. I like signings like that, Andy. It, it left field, wasn't it? It seemed yeah. mad. It seemed absolutely mad, but as we'll find out later on, it worked out quite nicely for them. I think I just love it. Don't, you don't see it enough anymore. But I like it if a big club just thinks laterally mm. and thinks, fuck that. Instead of chasing the next big thing, just I'm going to sign a, that a fucking guy who just knows what he's doing. Well, Liverpool have done it a few times over the years because they, I mean, I was just thinking yesterday when I watched them thrash my West Ham team on the first day of the season, signing James Milner from yeah. City, a player who appeared to be, you know, heading for the like twilight years of his career and might end up in a lower division club or a lower, lower down the table club. 
I thought Liverpool signed him just as Gerrard retired, and he's he never genius, has genius he never move. gets less than a seven out of ten in every game. I assumed he was thirty six, but I looked it up yesterday. He's only thirty two. Good luck he's been to playing the forever. Good Got luck another five to him. years in him. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea brought in Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank for fifteen million pound, oh. which matched the Alan Shearer fee from ninety six as an English record. Uh, Hasselbank, of course, had played for Leeds for a bit. Then he pissed off to Atletico Madrid, scored twenty four goals in thirty four matches, and they got relegated. Fucking hell. And do you know who the manager was for most of that season? Go on. It was Claudio Ranieri, the tinker man. So he took Atletico Madrid down because I always thought his background was like practically winning the little winning the well, league with Valencia. That, but he, he, he fucked off in the February when it was obviously it was all going tits up. Mm. He went, he left. So uh, Chelsea bought Hasselbank and also Ida Goodjonsson. So that was a really good partnership. Well, that was a partnership that lasted for years and was fantastic. It so. was. As we'll find out. Uh, promoted into the Premier League this season were Charlton, managed mm. by Alan Kirbishley, Manchester City, managed by Joe Royal, and Ipswich, managed by George Burley. Three clubs managed by former players there. Do you like that? Yeah, I do. If it mm. works out, if it goes wrong, it can be you know, horrible for everyone. Billich. We've had, we've had Billich, we've had Billy Bonds, yeah. we've had Harry Redknapp, who knifed Bonds, allegedly, <laughs> uh, to get his job. Metaphorically knifed him. Um, or did he? And uh, I'm not saying he cut his face off. You wouldn't be able to cut Bob. Billy Bonds' face is made of granite. You can't cut it. Yeah. And, well, Harry Redknapp's face, on the other hand. Jesus. If you wanted to cut that, you could do it with a butter knife. It looks so soft. You could melt it off, couldn't you, with a lighter? I reckon you could just put your hand on it and pull hard, (laughs) and it would just come off, and you'd just stick it on your own. Then you'd get in a Range Rover and start driving around on transfer deadline day, going, oh, he was good as gold when I had him at Portsmouth. Didn't give me a moment's trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe there's been a series of Harry Redknapps played by different actors yeah. and they just take the face and put the face Who on. Who do you think should be the next Harry Redknapp? For me, it's got to be Idris Elba. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely time we had a black Harry Redknapp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking right it is. So, into the season. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, as we've just mentioned, signed those two fantastic strikers, but it wasn't enough because Gianluca Vialli got the sack after winning just one of the first five matches. Uh, I mean, he'd only won five trophies in two and a half years. Fucking hell. <laughs> I heard a he great... was regarded as an icon, wasn't he? Yeah. And he's... Na- at Still the is. Ta- at the time, his name was uh, rhyming slang for Charlie. Get the yeah. old Jan Luca in, which was a good one, wasn't yeah. it? And he used to wear a grey V-neck sweater, which was very casual. He he introduced that. That you know nowadays you see foreign managers doing a lot of that, but that was really he, he introduced a huge amount of style to the um, touchlines of English football. Yeah, he had a rep- just a rumored reputation for being slightly kind of lackadaisical or re- overly relaxed as a manager, yeah. and. I think that's what did for him in the I end. I heard some guys like Ray Wilkins, who who I who I did know quite well. Uh, I got to know him well through working with him. And one of the, one of the most top blokes I've ever met, as Jason Cundy, our talk sport colleague, would say. <laughs> Remember that one when Nelson Mandela died? Jason Cundy was on air doing the sports bar on talk sport. <laughs> so he it, it fell to him late at night because there was no news people around <laughs> to announce the news, and he said Nelson Mandela. He's dead at just 96 years of age. <laughs> I never met him myself, but from what I know from those who did, he was a top, top bloke. <laughs> oh, top, top. So, um, 
Ray Wilkins really was, like Mandela, a top, top bloke. But when they were both at Watford together, um, someone told me that they went on one of these away weekends or away weeks to relax mid-season break in the sun. And most, and they went to Italy. And most of the time, like, the, the Viali spent just lounging by the pool. <laughs> and he would ordinarily fall asleep in the afternoon, you know, like the Italians like to do. Yeah. And they had a goalkeeping coach with a famously enormous penis. Okay. And he snuck up behind Val- Viali and they all, like, bet him, offered him loads of money, snuck up behind him and lay his penis yeah. on Viali's forehead so it ran down the length of his nose. Wow, that's quite a penis. pictures. So somewhere a picture, I hope, mm-hmm. exists of Gianluca Viali asleep on an Italian holiday resort with a penis nose. <laughs> If we can locate that picture, it would be a wonderful thing. If you're listening and you do have a copy of that picture, we are at TF Time Machine on Twitter. Our DMs, these... our DMs are open. Yeah, all of these are just saying. allegations as well. Of course, yeah, of course. So uh, Viali got the the sack, and he was replaced by none other than Claudio Ranieri. Wow! It would failed miserably at Atletico Madrid the season before, and it turned out later on Hasselbank fucking hated him. Right. Uh, because he didn't like his training methods. So Hasselbank thought he'd escaped the Tinker Man, mm. only for the Tinker Man to turn... The Tinker Man! The Tinker Man, here he comes! <laughs> only for it to turn up at Stamford Bridge. Mrs, would you like me to build a hole in your front garden there? <laughs> no, I would not. It's no trouble at all. You'll have to pay me, mind. I don't want a hole. Well, I've dug it now, so you're going to have to pay me. I'll take oh. you to the cash point. Well, you'll have to fill it in. Well, I can fill it in, but you're going to have to pay me more. And there's your husband home. <laughs> I don't know why Ranieri has become a door-to-door tinker man. Uh, but, yeah. That's the nickname. Yeah. This, this is, is it. it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is it. It's October, and on October the 1st, Leicester City inexplicably went top of the league, coached there by an unnamed manager wearing the face of dead Peter Taylor. (laughs) A mystery man. A mystery man who we don't know the identity of, but they went top of the league. It didn't last. It lasted a week, and the following week, Arsenal beat Manchester United at uh, still Highbury, I believe. Mm. Uh, do you remember that brilliant goal from Henri? He flicked it up with, a, oh, with his yeah. back to goal turn and volleyed it in. What a goal. That was that match. And 
Arsenal went level on points with Manchester United at the top of the league. That was as close as they got to them, though, because United regained the top spot the following week, never relinquished it. October onwards, Manchester United were top of the league. They're a machine. I'm now prepared to say that they won the league this season, in case you were listening yeah, to the very spoiler end. Alert, the yeah. spoilers. Um, and United won the league. That's all there is to say about that. Sunderland beat Chelsea 1-0. In October, Why at the Stadium of Light, because that w- it's my team. You're picking out specific results that Not Sunderland that, achieved. I'd, I'd just like to mention it because uh, it was a match where there was a power cut at the Stadium of Light, which you wouldn't is, expect somewhere called yeah, the Stadium. Ironic, oh, yeah. Uh, and this power cut was announced at around about two twenty p.m. And suspicious. They said, "Okay, match is going to be delayed until at least four o'clock." Oh, so, lovely extra pub time. Exactly. Now, this is what I was going to say. It did kick off at four o'clock eventually, and I have never known a stadium so pissed. Be jumping as much <laughs> as the stadium of light was that day. I've never known an atmosphere like it. You had that one extra hour of booze, mm. and everyone obviously just fucking went for it. It's great. You celebrate, don't you? I remember those days. Like, yeah. Whenever there's a delay or ideally a fucking cancellation. Yeah. The, you, yeah, because then you think, oh, God, thank God I don't actually have to watch the game. Yeah. Which is a horrible interruption to the day out, isn't it, watching a game? It is. If you get the chance to not have to go straight away oh, and not go just oh, fucking great. Yeah. Actually, the day Princess Diana died, we all went down, down the pub. Yeah. <coughs> oh, when national tragedies happen, yeah. people go to the pub, don't they? We all want to beat together. Yeah. And the Premier League matches like all got cancelled that day as well. Yeah. So we end up watching... Juventus versus Torino or something like that. What's the most pissed you've ever been at a game? Can you remember? Like you're watching a game and you're so pissed. Um, Because I remember when I was younger and you'd go, like, say if it was kickoff at three and you'd meet at the pub at, like, midday, maybe earlier. So you'd have sort of breakfast with a pint in a pub. Yeah. And then just fucking hammer it. And then we'd, like, maybe meet a couple of tube stops away from Upton Park. So in a, like a yeah. pub where it was easy to get so, but then you'd like be so frantic with booze obsession that you'd have to get drinks for the tube, even though it was a couple of stops because you couldn't let up. And then Sunday, I'm going back to when I was 17 when you really couldn't handle it at all. I remember being at a, uh, an Arsenal West Ham game where I was staggering around and I couldn't see it. And I wasn't just seeing double every player. There was four versions of. <laughs> Like paralytic drunk when you're a teenager, because of course at your club last season there was the um, heroic lad who got so pissed he thought he was, and he was only about seventeen. I actually got to meet, I got to know, I interviewed him twice, once on my radio show, once on my TV show, and yeah, I've forgotten his name now. But he got so pissed that he thought he, he was in the stand, but he yeah, thought he was in the toilet, he did. and he pulled down his pants and did a shit. Well, he said that he didn't do a shit, didn't he? His claim was that he didn't do I one. never did a shit. I did a piss, I just man. just did a piss. I don't know what all the fuss is about, but the picture exists of him with his pants down, doesn't it? Yeah. I've never they put him in piss. the cells for the night, yeah. and he forgot what had happened. He woke up, and he'd sort of pretty much blacked out, so he didn't know what had happened. And it was only once they released him, he switched his phone on, and he had all these messages on social media, <laughs> and he thought, oh, no, man, what have I done? And his mate rang him up, and he goes, do you know what you did? Everyone's saying that you shake yourself, and he's the gone. Sunderland shitter, and he's yeah, the Sunderland shitter. That's what they called him. But he said he he says he can't remember what he did. But you're going. All I'm seeing is there was people there who I trust. They're mates, right? And they said that they never saw me shitting. So I believe them. Callum, Callum Mawson. Ah, 
And do you remember what Callum Mawson said he had to eat before he went out of the match that day? Yes, I do. He had, <laughs> I can't remember the exact number, but it was it was two chocolates from an advent calendar. And he went, I went, why did you just have that? He'd started drinking fruit ciders at home in the morning, yeah. having been on the lash the night before, I've round had, Sunderland. I've had two chocolates out of his advent calendar. And then he said, I had, I had one from each, because I'd had one advent calendar from my nan, and one from my boss at work. And I said, what? why did you get one from your boss at work? He goes, oh, he bought us all one. <laughs> Great day. I think the most pissed I've ever been at the match would be the 98 um, playoff final at Wembley. And the first, the, the ring pull was pulled on the first can to coincide with the pips on the Radio 2 News mm. at 6am. Because <laughs> we drove down. Ah. So we left Sunderland at 6am and the first ring pull was pulled. Beep, beep. In the car. Beep. Car beep. cans. <laughs> Love. And we were off. Yeah. And it was a 3 pm. Yeah, away off. days are great. I remember going out, where was it? I think I was at City and I was so, you know, you meet at Euston and they're, they're, the posty uh, pubs are open around there so you can get a pint really early before normal opening yeah. time. And we're like really pissed posty up. Pubs, yeah. Then we get on the train and you're pissing it up on the train. And then we got inside the ground and about 10 minutes into the game, I fell fast asleep <laughs> with my head slung back snoring. And my mates just took pictures and continually text them to my wife back home. <laughs> and the thing is, you could see loads of people around me in the stand all pointing, laughing, giving you all the reactions you'd want. Yeah, I was a notorious match sleeper for, for a few years. And a really bad drinker. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> this is it! Right, let's move on. December. Uh, Middlesbrough. It was all starting to go a bit wrong there for Brian Robson. So what... Steve Gibson did was he brought in Terry Venables to assist him. Oh, that was embarrassing. Hadn't Robson been Venables' assistant uh, for in England? England? So yeah. it's kind of like, looked like it's he was like calling he got, in a favour. He got his mate in. Yeah. But well, it was a confusing was situation. Thing, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was, it was a confusing situation because at first it was like they'd offered the job to Venables. Then they withdrew the offer. Yeah. Because Gibson was such good mates with Robson. It was almost like he felt bad it on him. He didn't want to seem like he was and, proper. And then he said, All right, you stay and I'll get Venables in to help. And then someone was at a game, someone I know was at a game where they were playing Middlesbrough. And it was only second game in. And Robson stood up and approached the touchline. And someone shouted so, so clearly that everyone could hear shouted, Sit down, Robson. It's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> And it was so near the bone. It was. Oh. It was. It was on the bone oh. because it was all. It was everything that everyone was thinking, and that he was probably thinking as well. It needed to be vocalised, though. Oh. oh, that was the moment when it all ended for Brian Robson. Dear me. Into 2001 again. I'm going to mention Sunderland just because this was about as good as it ever got for me as a Sunderland fan. We got to second place in the Premier League in January. Yeah, we beat West Ham two 0 at Upton Park. And uh, we, that was a run that we had where we only lost two matches out of 18. Right. We were fucking flying. Was this your big season? Was this the one? It was the, Well, we had two. We were seventh the season before. And we, we ended up finishing seventh again this one. But we were second in January. And, you know, we just thought, Jesus, what, what could happen here? What did happen was that we only won one out of the next 11 and gradually just slid down the table. And now I went to see West Ham at Sunderland. I went to Sunderland away this, and I'm pretty sure it was this season, because I vividly remember the weekend I went up, and it would have been late. If you, I don't know if you can check, but it would, I remember going up to. It wasn't 
Sunderland. It was like just outside Newcastle where a mate of mine who's West Ham fan was living at the time. Right. He married a Geordie princess, but it didn't last. <gasps> yeah. An actual Geordie princess. Geordie princess, but it didn't last, unfortunately. But he, uh, when he was living up there and with her uh, and his Geordie kids, we I went up and we and George Harrison died on the Friday. I remember that. Okay. So I remember being really gutted in the pub, pissed up. Heard George Harrison died. Started making a fucking song dance to the live band they had in this Georgie pub. Right, George Harrison song. I bet they loved that, didn't they? Long-haired fucking 20-something Londoner. Cockney. Pissed up, stumbling around their local village pub, <laughs> shouting orders at the band. <laughs> Somehow I didn't get killed. And the next day we went to see Sunderland West Ham and we lost 1-0 to a Kevin Phillips goal. You did. It was actually does the season after. I've, I've just nah, had a look. It was the season okay. after, but it, it, it yeah. does stack up. That was the season we um, we started to fall away completely and mm. ended up fourth from bottom of the league. But we still beat you. We still beat that's, us, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we were second in the table January, but it went tits up. This is it! In February, Manchester United beat Arsenal 6-1. Yeah. Old Trafford as part of their you know unstoppable march towards the league title not much else to add for february march and george graham was sacked by spurs mm. for allegedly breaching his contract um he talked to some journalists about the club's financial position george graham had to go and the reason is is that if you're gonna hire a man who is the ultimate fucking enemy pantomime villain to your club yeah. like George Graham was to Tottenham the only option is for that man to be so supremely successful that it everything is obliterates everything that's gone before he wasn't uh, I mean it wasn't like they had another Arsenal manager like someone who seemed relatively benign like fucking Don Howe or something <laughs> right this was Mr. Arsenal when Arsenal were the, their worst most cynical 1-0 to the Arsenal yeah. type manager right they hated him at Spurs. It was a travesty that Spurs ever hired him, that mm-hmm. Sugar hired him. But he had to bring success, and he didn't bring enough success. And he, they, Sugar had to find an excuse for him to go. Uh, Sugar had gone by this point. Right. Enoch had took over a okay. few months before, so they obviously wanted Rid. Yeah, they wanted Rid, and they replaced him with Glenn Hoddle. They did. Which, you know, Tottenham have had their ups and downs over the years. As a West Ham fan, I dislike Tottenham a great deal. <laughs> and so I revel... In seeing them, like things go wrong for them, but and in this era they were always going wrong. But having said all of that, objectively, ditching Graham and hiring Hoddle at that moment was probably the greatest fucking thing any owner of Tottenham had ever done. Well, yeah, in terms because, of the PR, because Hoddle was at Southampton and he was about five points ahead of Spurs in yeah. the league, and they've obviously gone. Well, this is what we want. We want yeah. him in, don't we? Do you think it would be... Southampton are doing well and their manager is the most popular player in the history of our club. Do you yeah. think it might be an idea that we poach him? And, of course, they, they, they came up with this, this excuse for sacking Graham because he'd been talking about the club's financial position. They said he'd already had a written warning about it. And remember when Graham was sacked from Arsenal, he described it as hole in the corner justice. Oh, very much so. He might have used that phrase again, yeah. but I'm not sure if he did. If but he, he didn't use he, it out loud, he'd definitely have been thinking he, it. Internalised it, mm. yeah. Uh, he publicly called the decision bizarre and inexplicable. <laughs> but George Graham has been the victim of so much injustice through the years. How does he feel about it now, It just I keeps happening to him, yeah. doesn't it? Weird. At every turn. Sadly for Southampton... Um, the club fell into the hands of Stuart Gray after oh, Glenn Hoddle's Uninspiring departure. appointment. 
and we'll see how that ends mm. probably in the next episode in April um, Liverpool versus Everton do you remember that Gary McAllister free kick in the yeah. very last minute that won the match 3-2 it was from 250 it was a mile a mile it was a mile a mile out it was measured afterwards and he scored that free kick from one mile Wow, what a rocket that must have been! So there we go. Just goes to show, another good, you know, signing that old man mm-hmm. was a very good idea. Up, up at Leeds, it all started to go a little oh, bit wrong. For David O'Leary and the babies in the kindergarten. The play group. Oh, they got beaten in the Champions League semi-final by Valencia. I think they were a bit they, tired, they so they were. They were a bit sleepy. It was April. They'd been playing lots of games. Oh, they, they do get tired. Little, and if they haven't had the snack time. little legs were starting to ache. And there's only so many rusks you can have. Oh, no. So, but the... Michael Dubry, he loves his little carrot sticks, so he does. Oh, he nibbles on them in the afternoon, but... If you forget to give them to him, he gets awful grumpy. He, he has his carrot sticks and then he stands up and he shows off his muscles to all the <laughs> other boys. He says, look how strong I am, everyone. Look how strong I am. So, But unfortunately, the club had borrowed heavily against future Champions League campaigns. But they finished the season in fourth place, which meant they only got into the UEFA Cup. And Peter Ridsdale bought himself some fucking expensive goldfish. For oh, the boardroom. This and wasn't the, the terrible, terrible time when we Lee Boya and we Michael Dubry they got terribly drunk and they, they, they chased a, a young Asian lad and they said our oh, terrible racist things terrible to him. Word. And they but set they, about him so they did. They just had too much sugar. <laughs> but a little bit of a sugar rush. They do get a bit racist when they've had too much sugar, so they do. So that was the end of Leeds that season. Never mind. Everybody have a nice sleep. <laughs> Into May. And the season came to an end. Obviously, Manchester United had won the league a few weeks beforehand, I think. Southampton 3, Arsenal 2 was the last match at the Dell before it was knocked down and replaced with whatever they've got now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, you come for facts, don't you? Yeah. Matt Letizia scored the last-minute winner in that game. It was his 100th and final Premier League goal. I almost slipped into Irish again there. His 100th and final Premier League goal. I'm Matt Letizia. So Little Matt Letizia. And I'm from the Channel Islands, which is where you talk like this. <laughs> I live in a cave with all the goblins. So we do. Uh, he scored the, the winner. It was a nice fitting end. It was his final Premier League goal. He'd only played eight matches that season for Southampton. He kind of faded away. I don't remember his autumn years. I just remember him bursting on scene, being the most magnificent footballer of all time, and then just stopping and going over to Sky Sports. That's how I remember. And then he played about six games the following season, but didn't score any Premier League goals. But yeah, he sort of faded away from, um, probably from being overweight, I imagine. Fuck you now, but that never stopped it. I mean, he was overweight from day one. Yeah, but it got got out of hand. You know, like when people wear a fat suit, it probably looked like that. You know what? They, in England, considering how shit England have basically been forever, why didn't we just make Matt Letitia? You might as well have just said in that era, rather than fuck around with all these different players, just go, you know what? We're just going to make Matt Letitia the captain of the England team. Yeah. And just leave it to him. Well, he was on because the fringes. They played at. They played at uh, Hoddle was the only one who showed any belief in him. Pre 96, they played friendly against. It was the England B team against the yeah. Republic of Ireland B team. And yeah. the England won 4 1, I think. And Leticia got a hat trick, possibly. Right. And that should have been his elevation. Well, Hod- but we had Gascoigne as well, Hoddle, so you probably can't have both. Hoddle can was like, you know, obviously sympathetic to, to, to Letis because he was like him. He was like a gifted genius footballer. 
So whereas other managers, especially in that era, would have been suspicious of anyone with that amount of talent, Hoddle did pick him, I think, in I think he picked him in a, an important game once, in a qualifier he played him, either up front or just behind the strikers, and it didn't quite work out. Uh, hang on, did he not pick him for that match in Ireland? I'm thinking of that match in Ireland that got abandoned because there was crow trouble. I don't know if it was, was that, that one. There was one. Was. At, there was one at Wembley where he didn't quite show up. Right. Because, you know, unless he was scoring worldies, he wasn't doing much. True. That was the point. Um, but considering England never did much anyway, you might as well have, have had that. You might as well yeah. have just played Letitia every game. And we would have lost wanted. a lot. But once in a while, he would have just won games single-handedly. I mean, we, you know, you could easily say we were the Southampton of international football. Yeah. If it was good enough for them. You can't go back though, can you, Sam? No, you can't. You can never go I don't back. Know what I'm even thinking about this. Anyway, in the mere, uh, Ipswich finished fifth, incredibly, with Marcus Stewart scoring 19 goals for them. Yeah. Two years later, Sunderland would ruin him after Ipswich went down and we bought him, but never yeah. mind. Good run while it lasted. Liverpool were third and um, they won a weird treble that year of the FA Cup, the Worthington Cup, and the UEFA Cup. Why do you think that's weird? Well, because two of those three aren't really important. The UEFA and the league. Yeah. Yeah. But they also finished, what, third in the league? Yeah. And I think Julio was their manager. And you look at that as a season's achievements. And it's fucking incredible. And people talk about Benitez and the Brendan Rodgers era and all of this. But fuck me. That is the best season Liverpool have had in the last bloody coming up for 30 years. Yeah. Because they won three cups and they finished third. They did. Which is no mean feat in any season. And, you, you know, Julia is very One much a, off a, a forgotten man, really, isn't he? The Julia era is forgotten about Liverpool. But that was a magnificent season. And Michael Owen won European Footballer of the Year that year. Is that right? Yeah. He, scored, he scored those two brilliant goals in the FA Cup final as well, didn't he? That yeah, was, that late was on, Arsenal. when Arsenal were that leading was... until quite late, okay. yeah. I'll I'll retract weird trouble then, and I'll well it I'll was I see what you mean it was weird trouble. but you it's not what you say, regard as the treble is it you would say no league it's, FA Cup it's not the league. actual treble yeah. but it was an impressive season sub treble yeah okay Sunderland as we said finished seventh Charlton had been promoted managed to finish ninth um, Middlesbrough with Robson and Venables clawed their way up to fourteenth but both of them left Venables cited the fact that T side was too far away for his business and media commitments just didn't fucking fancy it did he that is a pathetic excuse I mean it might be true but don't say it make some other shit up well, that's, that's just you go. Oh, I've got to go and do the telly I've got to go down London I've got companies down London he had a nightclub in Kensington well there you go my brother had his wedding reception in it and El Tell showed his face did he did he sing a song I fucking wish he had he kept in my mind I mean obviously again I was 17 when this brother got married and I was really by the way I'm talking about the brother who featured heavily in the last podcast who offered out both John Gregory and John Terry <laughs> at Loftus Road on separate occasions and when he got married and he had the party in he had the evening disco in I think it was called it wasn't called Secrets because that's a strict club but it was called it was something strikes like Strikes or something like that yeah and uh, anyway he had Google it in this it. club Venables turned out, and I, I was obviously paralytic off my face, age Scribes. 17. Scribes. Scribes West. And uh, and Venables turned out, and I want to say he had a Crombie balanced on his shoulders. Do you know that style? <laughs> yeah. But he did not sing Mr. Bojangles as I, or uh, you've got, I would have loved him to have grabbed the mic and sung to my 
brother's blushing bride, I've got you under my skin. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that have been wonderful? It would indeed. Wouldn't have made any wedding day. You can't go back, though. No. You can't go back. <laughs> this, this is it! Harry um, Redknapp left West Ham one match before the end of the mm. season under mysterious circumstances. And it later transpired, apparently, you can confirm or deny this, he was sacked for comments that he made to a West Ham fanzine. Yeah, this I feels think a little a... bit like they've deployed the George Grimm well, method. Was, yeah, of, I think they... yeah, he said some stuff, we didn't like it. They, so we they, want, him. they wanted him out. It, there was a lot of uh, wrangles over the Rio Ferdinand money because we'd sold Rio halfway through that season That's to right, Leeds for 18 million so we could become one oh, of the babies. We're a very humble little club doing that thing. All we're we've just... done is go and spend 18 million pounds on a centre-back. <laughs> That's all we've done because we're just a we're little just club from the north of England. Um, and and <laughs> Harry like got really excited about the Harry sort of brokered that deal and there was suspicions about why and he bought loads of weird players with it like Titi Kamara and <laughs> Rigobert Song from Liverpool who were both appalling players was the paperwork complete yeah I don't know there was a lot of weird <laughs> shit going on then he gave a bit of a overly candid interview to a fanzine called Overland and Sea and in the end Terry Brown who was our chairman at the time just said I've had enough which kind of felt all right, but then we hired Pigeon Face to take his place. Like, literally ah, everyone turned so us that down. So wasn't, definitely wasn't, wasn't Peter wearing Taylor. Peter Taylor's face. Unless he was that much of a fucking criminal mastermind that he was managing to, to manage two teams at once. And he was neither Glenn Roder or Peter Taylor. How would he keep the face fresh when he wasn't wearing it? Brine? Yeah, probably. Freezer? But the thing about keeping it in the freezer would be every time you'd have it would to expand, get out, wouldn't it? you'd have to defrost it in the microwave, then you'd have to wait for it to dry. It would be too complicated. You're better off keeping it in Just brine. Keep it on all the time. Or in a cellar. Yeah. A cold, dry So place. we're saying it probably wasn't Glen Roder then? No, probably not. But listen, we want to keep this stretched out so it becomes like cereal. So let's not say yes or no just okay. yet. Okay, so that's pretty much it. The Golden Boots, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank won that with 23 goals. Yeah. Marcus Stewart second on 19. Relegated was Manchester City. Joe Royal got the sack after Mm. leading them up from the third tier up to the Premier League and then back out again. And then he gets relegated and they fucking sack him. What idiots. Uh, Bradford eventually went down. We haven't had God knows how many managers. Uh, ugly managers. Ugly managers, yeah, that's what And that is why ugly managers went out of fashion. Because they <laughs> had three in one season. Bradford fucked it for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Think um, of all those ugly managers who are out of work now, but could be doing a perfectly good job. Uh, we always say goodbye to someone at the end of each episode, and in this one, it's Coventry City, who got relegated after 34 after years. all those years. In the top flight. Yeah. And we've not seen them back since. I and don't I, even know where they are no, now. No, and they're not... I don't even know if they still exist. They they exist, but for a while, they were having to play at some fucking... I can't remember someone else's stadium, like Northampton Town yeah, or some bullshit right. like that. They're so in a right... Stadium. They've been a complete fucking state for years, and you've got to feel for them, because they used to be bastions of the top flight, didn't they? They used to get on your nerves, though, didn't they? The fact that Coventry was still in the Premier League. Yeah, it was boring. They you didn't apologize. I went to Coventry away at Highfield Road in a couple of occasions. It was one of the worst fucking stadiums yeah. to visit. But there was a good boozer by the station called The Rocket that was always good for a laugh afterwards. Oh, well, that's the main thing, then. Yeah. You can't go back, though. <laughs> that's it that's it from this episode of Top Flight Time Machine top of the morning to you 2000 to 2001 we'll be back with another one and just soon. remember if you need any holes digging we've got a shovel and we know where you live here we go 
here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.